Hello, everyone. You know what time it is. In the middle of SEC season, basketball, obviously uh, seeing a lot of the current storylines going on, thinking about Gator basketball. But, you know, here on The Young and the Rowdies, not only do we talk about current basketball, we go and take it back to the ones that laid the foundation for the program and where it's at. It's your boy, Patrick Young. I'm excited for this next guest. Uh, one of the greats when it comes down to, you know, that, that position as a center, a guy that was uh, a rebounder and enforcer, uh, one who is always cherished as, as a guy that got to the, the gate, brought the Gators to that first final four. Uh, none other than my friend, Andrew DeClerc. How you doing, my man? What's going on? I'm doing good, man. Just enjoying life. It's a new year. Looking forward to new opportunities this year and just getting into it and getting back on schedule. You know what I, uh, I realized today? I, I cannot believe no one ever brought this to my attention. You and I share the same birthday. Hey, all right. I did not know. <laughs> February 1st. Yeah, that's insane. Like, how is that? <laughs> no, one, no one told me that, which uh, I was doing a little bit of research, and I'm like, what? No, is this real? <laughs> yeah. Same birthday. That's great. It's a great day. I'm hitting the big, uh, big three zero. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a uh, my. Was it twentieth uh, attempt at twenty nine? <laughs> <laughs> that's a new one for me. I haven't heard that before. Um, oh man! So was, where, where are you right now? Uh, I'm at home in uh, Montverde, Florida. Yeah. In Verge, Florida. What is other than the academy, which I know you coach there with Coach Sutton. I, I used to know Coach Sutton a little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure where he's at now, um, but had some great battles uh, against against Mount Verde. Played them. Yeah. Uh, were you there that game? You were. I mean, no, no, I was not there that game. I missed the game where they played where, where they played against you. Knowing that you were going to Florida, I couldn't believe I missed that one game. Oh but. man, I wish you would have saw it. Yeah, because we had them, uh, yeah. and I'm not gonna say it was some home cooking, but <laughs> it seemed as though there was an emphasis to get me out of the game, um, and uh, that was the only loss we had all season. We we lost them over, and we went on to beat everybody and won state championship. If we would have won that game um, and gone undefeated, I think we would have gotten uh, invited to the uh, national champ, the national tournament as well. But that one blemish. Yeah, uh, you know, gosh. Yeah, we are. Whatever. My, my old coach. Huh? I remember both of those teams, Montverde and yours, and I remember that game coming up. And I mean, they were from Montverde's side. They were pretty hyped for, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. They had. I remember they had James Bell um, at the time. I can't remember who else was on that team, but you know, you know how Montverde is. You know, everybody on the team's going somewhere to play Division One basketball. Um, they're, they're worse now. I mean, they're, it's it's even crazier now than it was uh, back then. So, are you uh you're you're from you're from Clearwater, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up uh, Clearwater, kind of uh, uh, right by Countryside High School, kind of north side of the county, Pinellas County. Um, moved down there when I was about ten, so that kind of still I kind of kind of call that home, um, and uh, you know, felt like it was coming home because. I'm not a cold weather guy. Um, oh, I man. Liked, I grew up in Detroit, never liked going outside. My mom used to have to kick me out the doors, and I'd be back <laughs> pounding on the door 10 minutes later, let me back in. No, it's too cold. So I loved coming to Florida. 
um, and uh, beach beach bum at heart. So yeah. Uh, yeah, speak. I mean, yeah, I'm a Florida boy. I'm a from Jacksonville, and I don't I don't know if it snowed even once my entire life in Jacksonville. We might we might have gotten like you know one of those rare weather days where it's a yeah. historical thing and like it it snows in one part of Jacksonville as big as it is. But you know, I'm up here in Charlotte right now, and I got stranded because of the uh, whatever this winter storm thing that came through and. And uh, I go downstate, like my, my flight, normally I'm, you know, I come up to Charlotte for SEC Network. I used to fly out either Friday night or early Saturday morning. And then my, my flight is usually the first one or the second one leaving on Sunday. And obviously all of Sunday was canceled. So I was just sitting here and then I, um, uh, Pat Bradley was here. So I went to, uh, he and I were gonna sit, sit down at a bar and watch a bunch of football games, NFL games. I get to my car and my windshield's frozen. <laughs> and there's just a layer of snow on my windshield. And I'm like, um, I don't know what to do. So I called my, my fiance that lives in Nebraska. And I'm like, babe, what am I supposed to do? She's like, just, you know, sit in your car, turn the heater on. Uh, before you start your car, you know, give it some time. I sit in the car for about 15 minutes. And I'm like, nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing's happening and fortunately uh someone the whole the, the reception at the hotel she brought a scraper she's like do you need some help I'm like yeah I have I'm completely out of my head yeah. lost. so yeah never yeah never again. <laughs> a few years ago I got a, I have a I have a story just very similar to that I was in I was in Charlotte I was working with the SEC Network uh, and I was up there doing a show and uh, I came out and my car was covered. It had rained, uh, but then froze. Oh, man. My car was covered in ice. I couldn't even get the key in the lock. And I, I didn't know how to, I, and I'm, I was looking around for anything. I think I picked a stone up and I was just chipping away at the little lock on the, on my rental car, you know, just trying to get the, the, the lock, the ice off the lock so I could open the door to get in because I had no clothes. I was outside in my, uh, shorts and a t-shirt trying to get into my car freezing it's, it's not good no charlotte i don't yeah no i'm not i'm not going any further north than gainesville anymore if i can avoid it <laughs> no further than gainesville wow <laughs> yeah, that's, that's as far north as i think i'll ever live <laughs> what did you so the car froze like i was just a layer of ice over the whole car oh, wow yeah that's um and, and for me you know if something like like that were to happen, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring an extra suit and extra clothes <laughs> just in case. Fortunately, I brought a, a scarf and you know I brought some super thin sweatpants and uh, you know it could have been worse. It could have been worse, but yeah, man, I'm uh I'm excited for the opportunity that you uh you had the time to jump on and getting a chance to hear a little bit about your journey. You know we you know uh, the, the the flow of the podcast usually goes you know where did you start? How did how did basketball come into you know in, in your upbringing with your family or did you always know you wanted to play basketball or or you know you <laughs> play a bunch of sports and you know what what how did that how did it start for you um I was a hyperactive kid so my parents found soccer for me young because they needed me to get out and run um uh, my dad actually played uh some college ball at uh Moorhead's uh college Moorhead State College in Kentucky and um so I, I kind of always knew that basketball was something that was important to him. 
Um, so we played pickup and some other things, but I tried all different sports. Um, I actually, for a while there, thought I was going to be the first uh, seven foot soccer, professional soccer player. Um, That's why a- you like running so much right there. That's why I like running. <laughs> there's a reason there are no seven foot so- professional soccer players. Um, <laughs> so uh, when I hit my growth spurt, uh, seventh, eighth grade, I really started to uh, gravitate more towards basketball um, and just being able to continue to run and, and be active. And I love sport. Um, and so, uh, but I was pretty raw. I didn't really start playing until my eighth grade year. And I didn't play a whole lot because I wasn't very good. I was still just clumsy and uncoordinated. Um, but going into my freshman year, I got some good coaches at the high school level and uh, started teaching me some fundamentals and some footwork was was pretty good. That soccer did help me with that a little bit. I, I knew how to move my feet once growing and, and kind of all that other stuff caught up to me. I, I kind of grew up into my body a little bit. Um, and around my sophomore year, um, we had a bunch of injuries on our varsity basketball team from guys that were playing varsity football right at the beginning of the season. And so they needed some bodies to practice with early in the season. So they brought me and another guy up from the JV um, and we started practicing with the team and uh, we both did pretty well. We got to play in a couple games uh, and then some guys started coming back from injury. And I think the last game I was slated to uh, be on the varsity team, they were gonna move me back to JV. Um, had, a, had a really good game. I was kind of starting to feel my own at the end of the game. I had a breakaway dunk and I dunked on the other team's center and uh, he doubled as the football center. So he was about six foot five and about 300 pounds. And um, (laughs) no, no, (laughs) look like, look like, look like meat hook. No, Uh, Dimitri was still middle school back then. (laughs) A little older than him. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so the coaches looked at each other and the crowd went nuts and they were like, there's no way we can send them back now, you know? Right. And uh, so um, I, I stayed on to the varsity team that year and, uh, uh, you know, just got beat up every day and just, you know, what learned a lot, learned how to learn some toughness, learned how to, how to play. And then the kind of the, the big leagues of vars- high school varsity basketball. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a good time. And so, you know, from there, just, started doing some camps and really learning and, and, you know, just kind of took off from there. Love of just the love of running and the love of sport. Right. How, how much, did, how tall were you, you know, during that, like, you know, I can imagine for all of us, we, we hit a growth spurt and there's still some clumsiness. There's still like yeah. need to get stronger, bigger and all that kind of stuff. Like how tall were you when you got to uh, that varsity time or just freshman yeah. year in high school and how much uh, did you weigh wow. at that time? Yeah, so I started, um, I, st- I finished eighth grade at, and I just barely, I remember I just hit six foot right at the end of middle school. Uh, by the time I started my freshman year, I was six foot two. Um, by the end of my freshman year, I was six foot five or six or something like that. So by the time my sophomore year started, I was already almost six, seven. And yeah. so, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of growing between eighth grade and 10th grade. Um, I, at my sophomore year, I probably weighed about a buck 75 soaking wet. Um, I was super skinny, not, not a lot of muscle tone. Um, you know, I remember, I don't think I broke 200 pounds until my junior year. (laughs) So, wow. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was real thin. Like you could 
you could count my ribs through my t-shirt. <laughs> that was the, so, um, but yeah, so, so by the time I hit my junior year, I was starting to get more like six, nine and six, 10. And, and, uh, then I started putting on some weight, got up to two fifteen. um, you know, right, right there in my senior year. Uh, that was, that was about as heavy as I got. And then, did you, did you go through a program or something to start getting stronger and or just eating more or, or was it at that time? Um, so got, was, I got tired of getting beat up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got tired of getting beat up. So um, I actually took my my sophomore year. You know, you have to take a PE in high school. Uh, so I was able to get a pass. Normally, they wouldn't let um, someone my in a sophomore year take weightlifting. But we had uh, we had a really good wrestling program at our high school, and the wrestling coach was a was. Had, we had a weight room so he did the, all the weight coaching so he had a class for weightlifting and so I was able to sign a release being you know 15 years old and being thrown into a weightlifting class with juniors and seniors and so I literally took five days of weightlifting for three years you remember <laughs> how sore you had to be after that first week oh gosh yeah no, I mean just all the time just sore um just like, gosh, what did I sign up for? Is it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we we'd have to make weights. You know, you take your weight and times it by a certain number, and you'd have to bench press that. And of course, I'm working on the bar and trying to push that up. And um, you know, uh, but it was helpful. It was it was a good time. Um, you know, I was just trying to find every opportunity I could. Uh, my dad installed a, a nine foot. Uh, pull-up bar in our backyard okay <laughs> so I could jump up and uh, grab it and then you know be able to do pull-ups all day long and um, so all that stuff to do push-ups and pull-ups and I think he bought me a book from Arnold Schwarzenegger on how to bodybuild <laughs> and you know how to get big and how to lift and how to get strong and <laughs> it's just you know wherever we could find any information that's what we did so it seems, seems like your, your parents were pretty pretty uh, you know supportive and and in every way of trying to help you just get better and, and enjoy it. It had, it had to be a pretty, I mean, looking back, it has to be pretty awesome uh, at the journey. Cause yeah. it wasn't like, it wasn't like you started from, you know, five years old and a basketball was in your hand and, and you're like, I'm going to be in, like it, but you said you started with soccer and then transitioned over to basketball. And he's like, all right, that's what we're doing. Let's go. Let's do let's, yeah. whatever we got to do. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it really was, my parents were great. I mean, my dad, it must've drove him crazy having me be a, a six foot two, my freshman year in high school, still think I'm going to be a soccer player at six foot two. Uh, you know, most soccer players don't get above five foot six, you know? So it's like, uh, but I was pulling growing muscles left and right, trying to keep up with guys who were faking left, right, left. And I'd still be standing there from the first fake. And, um, you know, so they, they were patient with me. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, I, it, you just, we did, you know, they were, they, my dad had been to college, so he kind of had a, an idea of what that took and he knew what it was going to take. And, um, you know, uh, so I just, you know, he'd take me out and beat me up on the outdoor courts. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't beat my dad until I was, you know, in college. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, that was, um, yeah, they were, they were great. They were, it was, it was great growing up. And like I said, you know, just, I, I enjoy just the sport. Um, even to this day, like I just right. love watching sports and just, um, as I remember, my, my wife drives me crazy because I watch like, you know, swimming or soccer or cross <laughs> just because I like watching the competition side of stuff. I just like, I, I, I 
I relate so much with that because uh, my, my, in college, Will You Get, he helped expose me to soccer, my teammate at the time. Because I, I hadn't, if, if, if it would have been around my neighborhood, my dad would have put me in it just to, to try because he would have wanted me to try. He didn't want me to play football. Um, but he wanted me to try everything. And I, I just didn't understand soccer. You know, sometimes you got a one zero game, you know, <laughs> this is, more, but then will help me to uh, expand my mind and taught me like how beautiful the game of soccer is. Yeah. You know, don't like the diving, the guys that are doing all that stuff and laying on the ground to stall just to win. Yeah. But then that branched out to me wanting to watch the, the Florida Gators women's team more. And then I started watching lacrosse and, and volleyball. Cause it's like, you know, my journey could have been just because I play basketball doesn't make me any better than anyone. Like, let me enjoy everyone else's passions and craft and the competitiveness there and just see like, and it's just been so cool. Like I will watch, I will watch, you know, after, after basketball season's over, you know, we got the ESPN, the Ocho. Yeah. We got, <laughs> we got cornhole. <laughs> we got darts coming up. Uh, I think, I think curling, we got all these crazy sports and it's just like, I just love, I love games, you know, I love watching it. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty awesome uh, what you can see and get yourself exposed through uh, in sports. It's pretty awesome. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I love watching the mastery having been at, um, you know, played at some upper levels of, of basketball and seeing what it takes for my, some of my team. I mean, I played with Tracy McGrady and some other guys that, you know, are, are, you know, Patrick Ewing to see what he did and worked, how his work ethic was and, you know, Horace Grant. And I remember sitting on a bench between Chris Mullen and BJ Armstrong and I'm a rookie. I'm in a bad suit. I'm not going to play. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, looking off into the crowd and, you know, spectating out, uh, you know, who are the pretty chicks in the crowd. And, <laughs> and uh, BJ Armstrong looks at me and goes, what are you looking at? I said, third row up, you know, that little redhead over there. And he's like, no, 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 no. You need to study that six foot eight, 240 pound black man named Horace Grant, because if you want to stay in this league longer than your first contract, that's what you should be studying. And I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Like that was a reality check. Like I need to study this craft and, and um, learning how, learning how to do that through basketball has taught me the appreciation of other athletes and what they go through in order to get to those same or even higher levels, just the amount of skill, the time, the effort, the dedication, the passion behind uh, their, their, their drives. Um, I mean, I watch, I watch the Tour de France because I like, oh, I, man. I ride my bike around here and I go, you know, 15, you know, 16, 17 miles an hour. These guys are going 25 to 30 up and down mountains that I, oh, I, no. I all of, you could add every hill in Florida up and it's not going to be as tall as one of theirs. And um to see that drive that they have is just amazing. I love that about sport. I think that brings out just amazing things in people. What's the first the first story? You know, that was a great story. But in regards to of, of studying other teammates that you've had and other players and being close to, you know, what's the first thing that pops to your mind? You're just like, man, that guy was just different in the way he approached the game, how he worked, every practice, every you know, when you come when you talk about you know Horace Grant and Chris yeah. Mullen, like. Who, who's, what's something that comes to mind? Uh, it, it was Chris Mullen was one of the first. Um, I mean, uh, I had a chance. I got drafted by the Golden State Warriors. And so I had the chance. He was still on the team. He was, you know, later in life, it was after the run TMC days. And um, 
Uh, but he was still, I mean, he was still amazing. He, he left from Golden State either that year or the year after. So I got, I got two seasons with him. And then um, he ended up in Indianapolis uh, with the Pacers. But I remember watching him just shoot the ball. So like I, like I said, I wasn't, I, I was on the inactive list. So I knew I wasn't going to be playing. So I'd show up at the gym like two hours early before the game and get my workout in. Um, and, uh, you know, I, he'd already be there. And, you know, I mean, up 500 shots I mean I can only imagine what you know Steph Curry does now but watching Chris Mullen go you know uh, 95 out of 100 from the corner and then go well I got now I now I owe, I owe you know five more just swishes now don't touch the rims before I can move on to the next spot because I missed five of my hundred from that spot and he would just just he was a machine he would just do that um, he would keep balls in his uh in, in a workout gear in the trunk of his car and one of our managers number was on speed dial and like he couldn't sleep at night he'd call the guy up at two or three o'clock in the morning and it was in his job description that he got up like he answered his phone got up and met him at whatever local gym he had keys to so that chris could get up you know shots and yeah wow. I became friends with the manager, and he's like, he, I'm like, man, you're dragging this morning. What's going on? Yeah, late? He goes, uh, Chris wanted to shoot at 3 a.m. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, just seeing that dedication. So, you know, talking to him, you know, being able to just sit there on the bench next to him and be like, you know, dude, you've been in this league for, I think at that point it was eight, nine, ten years. I said, how do you do that? He's like, I don't ever get out of shape. And so – yeah. You know, it's just the just the wisdom that he would impart just by talking about. I just don't ever get out of shape. You know, I don't have to get back in shape for training camp. I just stay at this level, and um, it makes it easier on the body. It's a lifestyle. You develop a lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle of being able to compete and being ready day in and day out. And um, that wow. hit home a lot. Uh, like I said, BJ Armstrong, a lot of wisdom. I mean, he had just come off of the first three. Uh, championships he'd won so he played with Jordan so I'm sitting there picking a guy who had picked Jordan's brain <laughs> you know and I'm hearing wisdom just left and right um, you know from there I go to Boston and uh, you know Rick Patino is my coach so I've had Rick Adelman Rick Patino Doc Rivers I mean and some of the greatest minds in the game oh. <laughs> in my first you know I, I, Mike Fratello was the czar of the telestrator was the coach of mine and so literally um, I was I was able to be around great basketball minds and I just paid attention and um, wow. Rick, Rick Patino didn't do great in the NBA and a lot a lot of people liked him including me I thought you know I, it was tough to be a player for him uh, but I learned more about the game of basketball from him uh, than 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 pretty much any other coach I've ever had. Um, he just looked at the game differently. He, he broke it down differently. I mean, we studied so much film. It was ridiculous. And you so, coming out of Philly. So, I mean, you're never getting those days and hours back. So <laughs> never, never. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, being around coaches like that, when every time you have a chance to, to sit down and just be like, what do I need to do? And just listen. Um, those yeah. were invaluable times uh, about learning about leadership, learning about, you know, just how to excel in life, um, how to, how to, how to be your best self. Well, I'm curious. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead. Well, 
what I learned about the, the show uh, and doing this podcast, just go with the flow. Wherever, whatever, wherever we are right now, that's where I'm going to stay. Because uh, yeah. I, I thinking about thinking about, I didn't realize you, got, you were coached by Coach Patino, and I've heard just uh, so much about Coach Patino. Obviously, a brilliant basketball mind. It's funny. I was with Pat Bradley yesterday, and he's bringing up. Uh, I guess when he was growing up, him and his brother watched Coach Patino. When he was at Providence, it's a it's an old tape of him do, uh, putting Billy Donovan and I forgot the other guy's name through through like basketball drills. Oh, and yeah. Coach Donovan doesn't miss in this thing like it's it's unbelievable. But Coach Donovan told me um, that when he had Coach Patino and I mean I, and we know this, you know, college coaches and NBA coaches they you have to coach at different levels, things you can do and can't do on those things and and coach, he's, coach Donovan said coach Patino was was he you know say he'll say he's nuts but he'll say like he pushed those guys so much that uh the NCAA probably implemented that 20 hour rule <laughs> uh, absolutely <laughs> I don't know what the 20 hour rule is you know college teams can only practice for what accumulates at 20 hours per week and I want to believe that coach Patino was like before that you know if I want you in the gym, you're, you're yeah. going to be at the gym doing whatever I want and full practices, like taped practice. Yes. Walk, yeah. walkthroughs, walk around, shoot arounds were like full tape, physical practice. Full tape. So yeah. What was it like? Because I know, you know, obviously some of the players in the NBA, they had come from those styles where practices was, was more strategic and just working on your skill versus like being. And then, then Coach Patino comes in, like that's, I guess that's your first year with him. Like, what was that? What was that like? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had come from Rick Adelman within with a veteran team. And so our, our my first two years in the league practices, like, you know, they were very cerebral. You know, they were, you know, we're going to talk about strategy. We're going to walk through things. But once you got into the, you know, the meat of the season, you know, we didn't we didn't have full on full contact practices a whole lot. Guys were expected to be in shape, stay in shape. If you didn't get your minutes on the, uh, on the court, you were, you know, the, the expectation was is that you're going to go get your work in before the game, after the game uh, on off days, you would still come in and do your, do your work. But if you were putting, if you were getting 30 minutes, uh, 25 minutes in on a game day, then, then you could get the day off. And so that was just kind of all happened, happened internally. You get to Patino and uh you know in boston and it was a whole different story i mean it was like he was trying to dictate where guys could live so they could be close to the gym and really yeah and like no we really want you to be right here because this is where we're practicing this is where we're going to want you you know we may call you up and say hey you guys got to be here in an hour and like that didn't quite go over super well with some of the veterans on the team. Um, guys who put in time and hours and, and like, you know, the, the comments were like, man, we are grown men with right. families of our own. I right. you can't treat me like I'm an 18 year old kid. You know, I'm a grown, I'm a 30 year old man. Like, and I'm, by the way, I make more than you. <laughs> like, I mean, some of that NBA ego would pop out, but yeah. you know, we had, um, he was tough. I mean, it was, it was, you know, you didn't get your time in, in the, in the game the night before you were there for a 45 minute individual workout prior to practice. So you'd get, I, I learned the trick of making sure I had a couple sets of practice gear ready to go because, you know, I mean, five minutes in, I'm sweating through everything I've got on. And then, then, then you would, 
you know, you go 45 minutes and then you would go watch film for an hour and you'd be sitting in a freezing cold room with wet gear on and you'd be like, and then, and then, okay, let's go start practice. Um, but it was, it was, like I said, I learned a ton because he demanded perfection. And, you know, when you demand perfection, um, eventually, you know, like, you probably know the drill. We would just warm up drill. We would do three man weave full court layups, you know, ones and then twos and then threes, but you only had, you could only take three, make three passes, which means you had to be a hundred percent full speed right from the go. Uh, and, you know, you were still warming up. This was our warm up. was, cause, you know, it's like, get warmed up on your own time, man. We're but going. I bet the guys got in shape though, went a little uh, bit. I bet the, so, yeah, so so we, we were in ridiculous shape. I mean, I was a, I'm 6'10", I was 220 pounds, and I'm chasing NBA point guards, you know, 94 feet because I was at the point of the press, uh, full court press that we would run. And I would have to run and trap like, you know, uh, I mean, just pick your, pick any <laughs> Jason kid. <laughs> I mean, I was, my job was to, deny an entry pass to Jason Kidd and then trap him all over the backcourt. And then like, you know, it was in ridiculous shape. Um, yeah, got, like you can't do that for 82 games. <laughs> not, not, for, not for 82 games, no. Not not four, four, four nights out of five, four games, you know, back-to-back, take a day off, back-to-back, on the road, traveling, right. you know, getting in at 2 a.m. Uh, and then having to go at 7 p.m. the next night. And, um, you know, it – it wore guys out uh, mentally right. a lot. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why he didn't, he, he struggled. He had some success, obviously, because guys were in great shape and, and he was just masterful with the X's and O's and stuff. But guys were worn out. You play hurt, you play tired, you play, there were no excuses. And, um, you know, there was, it, it, when, you, when you set the bar that high, you know, just even not even attaining it, but getting close to it, you're still at a pretty big level. And, yeah. uh, and being learning to be okay with that was was something you had to do. And um, but I tell you what, I left there. I got traded midseason, my second season in Boston, over to Cleveland and Mike Fratello, and that was back to the cerebral. And I don't think we had. I don't think I broke a sweat in a single practice the rest of that <laughs> season. Um, but Boston, and that's that's challenging in, in in and of itself because it's then like. Oh man, I know I could. After being under Coach yeah. Patino, oh man, I could be pushing myself a little bit, you know, a little bit more, or something. You know, that that kind of starts to haunt you. <laughs> Mike Fratello came to me at one point. He goes, "Dude, I just want you to stand here, just stand, stop moving." Like in Patino's offense, there was it was always motion. You were always setting a pick down, setting a pick up, crossing the lane, flashing here, going there. In Fratello's system it was spacing and isolation. And so he's like, I need you to stand behind the three point line. So your defender has to be out of the paint. So Sean Kemp can get the one-on-one -on, -one on the low block. And, and if every time you step inside, that allows him to get double close. team without there being a three second violation. And, you know, there was all this strategic thinking they had to do. And, and I, I was like, I get it, but, I just don't like standing still. I haven't done it for two years. Like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And he's like, no, right. stop. So, <laughs> had so much energy. I was bouncing off the walls. It was crazy, you know. That's hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was – when you would make those shifts and those changes, um, you know, you always have to readjust to the new systems. And, and 
that was always the challenge, but I mean, we made it fun. I mean, it was, we were playing a, we were playing a game and making money and, and, yeah. and living a good life. And so um, I feel blessed to have, to have had all these great stories that I, awesome. I don't think about, I don't think about in the normal realm of my day. Right. Well, I'm glad we get a chance to, 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 to pull some of them out and, uh, you know, the, the people are going to love them. But I wanted to take it back one second because I know, uh, you know, what kind of probably prepared you for, uh, you know, tough coaching was having uh, somewhat of a kind of tougher coach in Coach Kruger, who had his own approach to, to the game as well. But even before we get to that, you know, when did you start? How was your recruiting process? I know that you started doing some camps and you you were able to get connected with some of your teammates, future teammates at the yeah. time on the circuit. But when did like, you know, how, how did you know you wanted to go to Florida? How did it all happen um, from there? The other offers you had, you know, go ahead and dive in. And how surreal was it the first time, you know, oh, <laughs> they want me to play college ball there? Yeah. Like, how was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was... Um... I remember getting, you know, kind of the first set of college letters and they were from, you know, growing up in, in, um, you know, West coast of Florida, you know, there were university of South Florida, uh, university of Tampa, uh, you know, the St. Pete junior college coach sent me a letter and I was like, <laughs> Oh, they know my name. This is crazy. You know, um, you know, at the same time, I had done some camps, uh, coming out of my sophomore year, um, that were, you know, starting to get to be some of the more bigger camps, bigger named camps and stuff like that. I didn't play a lot of AAU. I played on some team Florida uh, uh, AAU, which was just for the kind of the national tournament. It's a whole different thing nowadays. AAU, right. so it was kind of a little bit developing when I was coming out, but it wasn't really something that I got involved in uh, travel teams and stuff. But um, now I remember uh, my recruiting. I, I, man, I was, I had gotten crazy amounts of letters and I, I got invited to five-star basketball camp and then a, a BC, Bill Cronauer big man camp. So these are going back a long time. Cronauer, uh, I got to look that up. Yeah, you'll have to look that one up, but um, <laughs> it's up in Indiana. Uh, so very Big Ten, very Midwestern big man camp back when you know there were actual positions <laughs> in the game. Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. Well, what sets them apart is that they require just one play through to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. But, um, yeah, I got the five-star. You know, I didn't know anybody, but I was playing with, like, all of the guys. I, my year, my, my graduating year was the Fab Five that went to Michigan. July. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Cherokee Parks at Duke. Um, I think it was a year behind Glenn Robinson that went to Purdue. Uh, but all the other, like Chris Weber and, and Jamie King. And so my five-star year, um, I'm out there playing. I, mean, I think my Jamie King was one of my uh, 
teammates and, you know, playing against Juwan Howard and a bunch of other guys that were all in the, you know, top power forwards and top centers and all the scouting and recruiting um, and doing fairly well, fairly decently, holding my own. Um, and um, got picked for the all-star game for that week of camp and played well in that game as well. Um, and, and started to realize like, these are, these are like, I went, I think I got home afterwards and I'm like, looking at the scouting report from a magazine, I'm like, oh, wait, I was playing against that guy. Oh, wait, I was playing against that guy and that guy. And after that, my recruiting really kind of kicked off a lot more. Um, uh, Lon Kruger actually was recruiting me before he got to Florida. He okay. was still at Kansas State. And um, so one of his assistant coaches, Robert McCollum, was really high on me, had found me after my sophomore year, had been recruiting me for a long time. Uh, then uh, there was an influx after the five-star camps that summer of more coaches from everywhere. I started hearing from just about every school uh, and every conference, and it, it was overwhelming. It was, it was kind of ridiculous. So um, uh, I remember what were your parents thinking of all this time. You know, that's that's because your dad was probably at some point. You know, you're like, he's my son still playing soccer early. I mean, and then, yes. Well, well past that. Yes, finally. <laughs> finally. Yes, finally. Okay. My dad was probably happy. My mom was probably like, what in the world are we, how do we protect him from this? Uh, what's going on and what's going on crazy, all the craziness. And so we started having some, some, some visits from coaches. Uh, I remember one from uh, Clemson and I forget the head coach who was there and I forget the assistant coach who came into our but it was uh, some Cle the Clemson coaches and they had this great highlight video they played on our TV I think it was of the Davis brothers at the time uh, who played at Clemson and just uh, uh, but uh, uh, afterwards he they were like you know we want you here and, and I want to you know want to introduce you to the assistant coach he's going to be handling your recruiting it's Eugene, the recruiting machine, and my mom turned around, looked at me, and went, "Well, thank you for your time, but no, we're not." <laughs> so that one didn't go over so well. But uh, you know, the next thing I—I I mean, it, it happened so fast, and it was a while ago. It's all cloudy. Next thing I know, I'm getting a call from Mike Shashevsky and Duke, and I'm like, "Okay, now things have gotten crazy. Crazy. They things are crazy now." So like, he just shows up. He, they came in late. Um, late after my junior year kind of the summer between my junior and senior year I'm going to be making my decision hopefully in the fall uh, early signing and they show up for pickup games at my high school and so my coach went and found every ball player he could possibly get to the gym because he knew he was coming in and we were just started playing some pickup ball that and probably had guys were playing so hard everybody was balling man every my coach actually had to pull a couple guys aside and go he's not here looking at you <laughs> but you know it was fun it was a fun day then he came over to our house later i think he came mainly because he just wanted to go to the beach <laughs> Cause he, he had this great tan. He was, he came to my house that night and he had this great brand new tan. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, <awesome. laughs> uh, I think he just wanted to enjoy some Clearwater beach, but and some Best beach in America and some Frenchies, uh, oh, yeah. you know, grouper uh, sandwiches and stuff. And so, um, but he came over to the house and we got to meet him and it was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, at the time they were recruiting, 
every one of the top guys and they were like, look, just come on a visit. We have no idea. We got two scholarships to give out. We're look, we're recruiting at your position too. Like we're recruiting Chris Weber, Jawan Howard, Cherokee Parks, Eric Meeks, um, Alan Henderson from Indiana, ended up at Indiana. And so he's like, they're all coming in. We want you to come. Uh, and, and so we started doing in the fall, all of those recruiting trips, which were just insane. I ended up only doing three. I went to Duke. I went to the university of Virginia. And then I went to Florida and um, I, I went to Duke first. It was cold. It didn't snow, but it was like, you're like, no, <laughs> but it was Duke and it was just awesome. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, if you don't remember 1991, 1990, 1991, they were in that back-to-back matchups with UNLV and Larry Johnson and yeah. that, you know, they gotten beat and they were coming back. They, Grant Hill was a freshman and they win the national championship. You know, Christian Leitner's in his senior year. Bobby Hurley's there. And I show up on campus and they're just like introducing me to these guys and I'm watching them practice. And I'm like, okay, this is surreal. Cause you know, that they were the pinnacle of college basketball at the time. And um, uh, it was amazing. My recruiting trip was with Cherokee parks. And he told me, he goes, they've offered me, I'm ex- if they offer me, I'm accepting on the spot. I'm coming here. You know, it was funny. So I was like, well, okay, <laughs> they haven't offered me yet. I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> but um, went to Virginia. It was even colder in Virginia uh, and got sick. And um, that weekend, and then the next weekend I was at Florida and it was, you know, 85 degrees and they took me to a football game and everyone's in shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> and oh, I think I kind of figured out where I was going to be pretty quick. Right. um but uh yeah it was um you know i looked at florida as an opportunity to come in play right away uh, start something from the ground up i kruger had gotten there um uh the spring before and so this was going to be his first year there he hadn't even he hadn't even coached a game yet but i was looking around at the facilities most of them were geared and set up for football but they were awesome. And um, it was a great campus setting. Um, and, and just with where everything was, it was just right there. Everything was just real convenient. And I loved how close it was and just being in the atmosphere of the campus yeah. all the time uh, was, was so amazing. And so um, it ha- didn't hurt that it was only, it was two hours from home. So mom and dad had to call before they came up to visit. Yeah, that's uh, not bad. That was a good thing, but yeah. They ever just pop in on you, just like, hey, we're here in town. (laughs) They knew better, call first. (laughs) But, you know, back then, Florida had athletic dorms, and so they were we were pretty locked off from the world if we didn't want to be accessible. We could, you know, just walk into the athletic dorm, the door door locked behind us, and so they had to call first, at least give me a a five-minute window of, we're downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> that was a five-minute window, like, dang, you didn't tell me you were coming? <laughs> but uh, they saw enough of me because, you know, they were able to come to a lot of the home games. Yeah, and, that's pretty and, incredible. And that was pretty awesome. It was great having them close. Um, and we were a tight-knit family. And so they did a lot. They sacrificed a lot, did a lot of driving up from Clearwater yeah. back and forth in order but to, do, to for that to happen. But – it was nice also when once we got uh, a little bit older and a couple of my teammates had cars, they, we'd yeah. all go to my house for, for Thanksgiving or for a yeah. free weekend and just go hang out. And um, so a lot of fun and, and good times, but um, yeah, Florida, 
Florida ended up being, uh, and Lon Kruger was one of the big reasons why I ended up there. Just loved his demeanor, loved his attitude, okay. his approach to the game. He wasn't a screamer or a yeller, yeller, but, you know, when he was serious, you knew it. His lip would get a little curl in it, and he'd <laughs> we all knew oh no we're in trouble now <laughs> well, you know you come in and of course you have some some good coaching before you come into college but what was it like that first week you know if you can remember the first week or the first day of practice where it's like wow this ain't high school no more like yeah. we got scouting we got you know, or just the, the, the college experience. I got to go to class and scouting and be here on time and the weights and then yeah. coach is pushing so much in practice. And, you know, good thing that you were like, you loved running yes. early on. I think that that is a huge part of being a big guy that could really run and, and hustle and rebound because most big guys are not in that great of shape and love running. Yeah, no, I was lucky. I was light. I was thin. Uh, <laughs> I could, I could run. Um, we would, but it was not easy. I mean, we, 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 you, I mean, I came up, uh, I graduated and two weeks later I was on campus taking classes, lifting wow. and conditioning and getting shots up and getting working volunteer workouts <laughs> for, you know, uh, on the court. Uh, and, and, um, uh, because I knew I needed the work, I, I ended up had a broken elbow in my senior year, right after I signed, I broke my elbow. So I was doing a lot. How'd you do that? I was trying to dunk on a guy and he clotheslined me. Oh, man. <laughs> I fell down and hit it on the ground, chipped the uh, tip of my uh, elbow off. Uh, I had to put a screw in. It, so I sat out. I sat out about two months, ended up playing like the first six games of my senior year and the last two games of my senior year. So I was itching to get back on the court and get playing again after, after being out for most of that season. But um, – I wanted to get on campus so that, you know, the doctors could look at it. They could make sure everything was going well. I was regaining strength in the arm uh, and, and rehabbing well. And so that was a great start for me just to get on campus and get familiar with where everything was. And so by the time we hit this, the, the fall, uh, you know, semester and, you know, all of freshmen and all football season and all that craziness that – campus becomes I was uh, I had a little bit of a familiarity with where everything was and that was very helpful um but yeah going into those first practices just the breakdown of how fundamental we would get like all of a sudden you're back to just doing basic defensive slide drill <laughs> right until everybody got it right and you know nope not good enough let's do it again you know uh, after two hours of defensive slide drill go eat dinner and come back we're gonna do it again and until we get it right. And, you know, just making sure that all the way down the fundamentals of passing, you know, clicking your wrists, making sure your thumbs are down and <laughs> just, just all the, the, the attention to detail that we would go through um, uh, day after day and then come back and do it again at, at night and, and then come back in the morning or come back in the afternoon and, and, and then, you know, go lift weights and then come back. We're going to do conditioning again um, you know, uh, you, you got to make these times. We're going to run 200s and you're going to do them in under 32 seconds for bigs. And Andrew, you're going to run with the guards because you're a good runner. So, you know, you're not just going to run with, you know, the big guys who don't like to run. I'm going to put you with, you know, uh, Stacy Poole and make yep. you run with him. <laughs> so now you have to do it in under 30 seconds. And so, like, you're with the, the forwards and the guards and, 
you know, and then, you know, go win. Why aren't you winning, Andrew? You should be winning. You have longer legs. <laughs> oh, like the, the races? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Constantly running, running suicides and gut busters and lines and, you know, 17s and all the fun stuff. That oh, the 17. I, oh. I know, right? You, you, I haven't thought about a 17 in 10 years. So thank you for that. <laughs> I, will do, I will do suicides and I'll do 22s. Oh. I guess for, for those listening that don't know what either, either of those are, suicides where, uh, what's it, tw- it's 20, 28 20, seconds 28 around the time for a, a big guy to do it in. Yeah. You, got, you go from the baseline to the free throw line, baseline, half court, baseline, opposite free throw line, baseline to baseline to baseline in under 28 seconds. And for 20, the 22s, is full court, up and back, up and back, twice in 22 seconds. And I'd rather do, in 17s, yeah. You line up on the on the the sideline, not not the baseline, and you're just up and back, seventeen times in about a minute minute two seconds, fifty eight seconds somewhere around there. I, I don't think think I could ever make seventeen. They're just miserable. <laughs> I would count my steps. Eleven oh. steps. Eleven steps. Eleven steps. One, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, turn. One, two, <laughs> turn. <laughs> well, anything to keep your mind from thinking. Oh my gosh, I have to do 17 sprints. <laughs> what, whatever you have to do. Whatever you literally, have to do. literally whatever you have to do to get yeah. uh to get it done. Uh, because those are just are just miserable. Miserable. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, all of those would pay off. And I remember um at the end of my freshman year, um, Dan Cross, we shared a room. We were roommates for two years and we were watching the final four. We're watching the Fab Five. So we're watching, you know. Jalen Rose and Chris Weber and Juwan Howard and Jamie King and when you know in the final game and, and um, we're looking at those guys. I mean, we were at the camps with them. We competed with them. We we knew we could. We were just as good as those guys were uh, and had been for years. And we're like, why is it? Why can they be there and we can't? You know, we yeah. had freshman year. We had we'd gotten into the NIT and done well. Um, and got into the final four in the NIT, got to go to New York and have a great experience. Actually got to play against Virginia. (laughs) So one of the teams that I did not, you know, end up going to, got to play against them and and Corey Alexander and Junior Burroughs and some of those guys. And just, um, you know, it was an amazing time, but we were sitting there also watching these other guys and we're like, no, this we we can be there. So we just knew we just had to double down and start working harder and 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 figure out a way to enjoy those crazy things and those things that you dreaded, like you know, running at 3 p.m. in Flavet Field, hundred yard dashes in the middle of a field that hasn't been mowed in three weeks and it's you know two foot tall grass and you're trying to run a sprint through that and you're hitting potholes and uneven ground and hoping you don't break an ankle <laughs> and then jumping into cold tanks to cool down and all that sweat and work we just knew was going to pay off and uh, extra time in the gym and Craig Brown would gather guys up and we'd go set screens and Craig would practice coming off of them full speed Dan would feed him the ball and we'd have you know a couple other guys pass Dan the ball somebody would feed the post and we'd, everybody would get a shot but we would we had ways to just get everybody the ball and, and, and get practicing and just but full speed as hard as you could go for as long as you could go rest, drink, eat, come back, do it again. 
that had to be <laughs> and did you did you get a chance to listen to uh Demetri Hill on the podcast yet a little bit of it. I heard a little bit of it, but not the whole thing. I, I well, know he it's funny when he he talked about when uh he started playing and they they started calling him the black the black hole because the ball wasn't coming back out when he got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that guy cracks me up, man. D is a good dude, man. We I've known D since he was fifteen and I was sixteen. We we played against each other. First time I saw Dimitri. We were in a regional uh, finals game at at our high school, Countryside High School, and they had to come up and we had to play them. And I looked and I was like, what, what? Like, and he's running and he's quick and he has footwork and he's shooting the ball. And I'm like, no, that's not no. physically possible. No. How is it supposed to work? How am I supposed to move him? Like, it's just no. And then, you know. Um, you, you always know the guys you'd love to have on your team if you hated playing against them. And he was one of the first guys that taught me that lesson. Absolutely hated him as an opponent, but man, loved having him as a teammate because he was just, he worked hard. He, he got after it and, you know, he was good. <laughs> he was tough. Yeah. So, we had some battles. We had some battles in practice. I can't believe he came in freshman year at 350 pounds. <laughs> Coach Kruger's like, I'm not playing you until you get into shape. And then, you know, he starts, he gets into shape more, more so that second. He didn't play much the freshman year, a little bit, play, play a little bit more the second year. And he said he got down around like 280, 275. And, uh, and uh, you know, starts performing well. The team's winning. Things are going well. And uh, Coach Kruger notices, you know, he, in a, I guess they were they were weighing him, yeah, uh, just to make sure that he was staying in in, in where Coach Kruger wanted him. And uh, you know, success starts happening a little bit, and they start getting a little more lenient on weighing him. Yeah, and I, I, I think Coach Kruger, after a few weeks, what he explains, like, he's like, man, he doesn't look like in his mind, he doesn't look like he's still two seventy, two seventy five. So they start they start weighing him again. Yeah. And he said the, the scale was like in the bathroom and it was right next to the Gatorade machine, Gatorade yeah. uh, cooler. And I guess the coaches, when they're, they're looking at the scale, everyone's just focused looking down. And he was able to put his hand on, on the cooler and yeah. just kind of like manipulate his weight. He said he got away with it for about two and a half, three months. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time Coach Kruger figured it out, it's a week before the final four. Yeah. We... <laughs> We were back, sat back watching him do it. Like, are they going to notice? They got like, D, no, you got to stop. Like, we had um, we had a, I don't know if even D knew this, but we had guys we had on 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 D duty. You know, like, no, you, you, you no no midnight pizzas, man. We had a guy guarding the floor, <laughs> delivery guy, with the pizza delivery guy, and you know. He'd show up late one night, and the whole team would come in and take a slice before it got delivered. <laughs> oh man, that's so smart. We, that's we, so smart. he was a big reason, man. We got to the final four because of his willingness to sacrifice, yeah. and, and to put in that work, that extra work. I, I, it was funny. D and I would go to the weight room together. We would go together, and I'm, they were like, "Drew, you got to make sure he gets her." So I'd wake him up. We'd get going. He'd go and get on the elliptic stairmaster and just walk for an hour 
I'd go to the squat rack and squat for an hour. <laughs> it was like we were the opposite ends. Like, yeah. keep eating, D, stop eating. Drew, lift, D, cardio. And it was just – so we, we became close because we were spent that time in the gym not doing the same thing, but just right. keeping each other accountable. So that accountability is great. Getting there, getting there, trying to get there to be the best we could be for the team. And uh, when you go back and look at that, that final four year, the year where, you know, you got you upset Kentucky, number seven Kentucky, and yeah. went on the run and yeah, 20 rebounds that game, like flying, flying around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, you know, what are the first things you think about of that, you know, that special year of, you know, something that, like I said, laid the foundation of, of the program of, of putting Florida on the map. Yeah, we, like I said, it, it goes back to that end of our freshman year when we were just watching guys that we knew we could play with going, okay, if they can make it, like, we have no excuses. We, we There's no reason we can't. And so just putting in our mind, the mindset that we had. So uh, Dan Cross and I grabbed uh, Craig Brown and we, we started talking about it. We were like, hey, man, this is going to be our team next year, you know. Uh, there was a Scott Stewart, Stacy Poole, Jose Grimsley. Those guys were all seniors. They were leaving. It was going to be us. Um, Marty Quisma was a senior. I think maybe our only senior. We might have had one other guy who was a senior that next year. So it was really falling on us as juniors to be the leaders of the team. Yeah. And so we started taking that even over that summer after my our sophomore year. We started taking responsibility about grabbing you know Dimitri and getting guys. Uh, in the gym and grabbing the new freshmen and, 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 and really starting to work. So we, we started making rules. So we would play pickup ball over the summer whenever we had, you know, guys, enough guys were in. We had rules uh, to our pickup games. You know, I mean, you think, hey, you're just going to the gym to play some pickup ball just to stay in shape. But no, we had rules, man. Like literally, uh, if, if, if you were on off, if you did not cross, cross half court, and you were on offense and your team scored, the bucket wouldn't count. Don't count. It didn't, didn't count. If you were on defense and you didn't cross half court to get back on defense and they scored, they would get the ball back again. So count that bucket and they would get the ball back. Like no obsession. Like make it, make it. So like, if you fall down and they're on the get up. Get up and run, man. I mean, and you had to cross half court. And we had, you know, water boys that would sit there and like ruthless ruthlessly judge us like nope he didn't make it wow his back leg was still in the back court you know hey they do like that like the back leg didn't cross he got one foot across all the way across the line man we had we had rules man we called fouls and i mean we would we some of the football guys would want to come play with us and they'd come play for like a day or two and you know some guys would played in high school and and they were good and but you know they wouldn't come back and play with us because we all, you know, I mean, this isn't pickup ball. You guys got rules. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're working towards something. So, you know, we literally approached every time we could get on the court with how can we get better? What can we do to make ourselves better? And um, we actually, in those pickup games, man, we would come to when guys would, you know, wimp out on us or, 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 or not want to put in the work we confront them and we'd be like, you, you know, uh-uh, this is not going to happen. I mean, we had knockdown drag out fights. Like, wow. Like you see on videos now of street fights, like running around. And we used to practice up in the O-Dome on one of the side courts. And, you know, I mean, there were curtains would be pulled and, and you know, yeah. we had people coming around that's like, are y'all all right in here? Like, no, we're just working things out between family. What would, uh, 
you know, Coach Kruger's obviously, and just the coaching staff, they had to love that. Just, oh yeah, I'm sure they had to bring the reins back sometimes, but they had to love just the drive that you guys had in coaching yourselves and pushing each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. we, we've talked a lot with them too. You know, obviously, you, you know, your coaches are really involved in your life at college level, every aspect of it. And so, yeah. you know, a lot of the stuff that we did, the rules that we came up with and stuff, we'd run it by them and they'd be like, that's great. Have you thought about this? Hey, how about instituting this? What about that? And then they, you know, have to play counselor to bring us back together when, you know, after some of our conflicts and stuff, but you know, like it, it, we held each other accountable with nicknames like D, like D, you know, like, man, you're a black hole, man. Come on, you got to yeah. keep it out. Like, you know, it was fun and games, but we, you know, at the time we still had athletic dorms. So we all lived on the same hallway. I mean, Yon Hall, third floor, yeah, right down there under gate 36. You know, I mean, that was where we lived and we ate in one dining hall and we had study hall together in one yeah. room, all right there. We did our laundry together in the same machines mixed up and then we'd have to figure it out. You know, it was family. That's when you lost me right there. <laughs> yeah, it was family, like, yeah, you know, it's like everybody's drawers, here we go. Oh, <laughs> That's so bad. All right, let's go. You know, we, we had to do it all together. And so we, uh, you know, coming into that next year, when we hit training camp, I mean, we policed ourselves uh, a, a lot. Our coaches didn't have to. Like, if we were having it – was, it wasn't often they had to go, as a group, you guys are not giving us the effort we need. Uh, we, we took care of that ourselves. And, um, you know, Craig, started with Craig Brown being senior – that year and really holding everybody accountable, Marty Quizma, Dan Cross and I jumping on board, us grabbing Dimitri, pulling him in and then getting those freshmen, you know, Brian Thompson, Jason Anderson, Greg, you getting those guys, actually some of those guys were sophomores in there, you know, just grabbing them, getting them, getting us all like, that's not a good shot. That's not what we're looking for. You know, yeah, you can make it, but that's not the time to shoot it. You yeah. Doesn't it drive you crazy when you're watching a game and it's just like, Oh, man. And especially it's like you can make that shot, but you guys have missed five in a row and yeah. and the defense and they just made you play defense for 35 set for 30 seconds. So you're going to you're going to bail them out and get take. That's the shot you're going to take. Yeah. <laughs> no. And we you know, like I said, we police that like so guys would take those shots. And I mean, they you didn't have to get into the huddle for the coach to say something in a game, in a practice. We were grabbing each other by, you know, the, hey, get over here. What are you doing? No, that's not your play, man. That's not what we're looking for. And and coaches would back us. And I mean, and then the, you know, we'd do it. You know, Dan would grab me, and, and you know, I had to, you had to listen to it. You know, we would grab Craig every once in a while and be like, uh, uh-uh, man. But you, we we figured it out. You know, I mean, we we bought in, and you know, we had a couple of different sayings from that year that just stuck you know you've heard them if you've talked to any of us you've probably heard them find a way uh you know um we just we knew that we had to find a way to win every game there were going to be things that were going to go bad craig was going to have a bad shooting night i was going to get into foul trouble dimitri may not maybe maybe may not have been able to make the game for one reason or another and maybe having a tough turnover night we had to find a way and so we we really hung our hat on playing defense i mean we played um golly alan houston alan houston from tennessee the great shooter from tennessee played with the knicks for years man and we we are like we got to shut this guy down i mean it's not even about like we got to hold him to a certain number like we have to he can't score 
Like, and so we just would throw like Brian, your job is that he can't catch the ball. And Brian would just sacrifice every other part of the game to deny Allen Houston the ball, run through screens, get beat up and, you know, do whatever he had to do. And then on the other side is Demetri and I just knew we were going to have to set, you know, a hundred picks a night to get Craig on the baseline to get Craig Brown open on a, you know, screen down jump shot. And so we just did what we had to do every single night to figure out a way to win. And, wow. you know, we won games 56 to 45. That's unheard of. <laughs> That's unheard of in today's game. No, we score 50 points. We'd win scoring 50 points. Uh, but, you know, we would only allow the other team to score like, you know, 45. And, you know, you walk away with a win. We just wanted to win. Um, but it took a team effort. It took us covering each other's backs and, and just, you know, giving effort. You have learned so much through, you know, a, a year like that and being in that kind of camaraderie and, and then going on to play in the NBA and seeing things a little bit different, obviously, it's because that, that same closest dynamic is not there. I, I kind of wish <laughs> we had that closeness to the sense of living, not living in the same room, uh, something you know, Scotty was a slob. He was, you know, I'm not a, I couldn't, I couldn't live with him anymore. He, he's, he wouldn't clean up after himself. Uh, we started getting gnats in the sink, and I, I'm sure he's much better now. But you know, having everybody on the same floor sounds like it's pretty awesome. But you know, translating from, you know, you tra you transition from from college to to pro for a while, then you retire. You know, what are the, the some of the things? that you, you would say you still carry with you as far as how you how you walk your everyday life, the mindset, because like you can't just undo a lot of the things you learn and are ingrained in you. And what are some things you, you translate over to life, uh, you know, as you go day by day now? Yeah, you know, I think, um, uh, I mean, it was, they're all big transitions. I mean, going from college, even being at the top of the college game for even just a brief moment in one year, and then going to the NBA, and I mean, it's just a whole different level. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And so everything becomes it, the high jump from high school to college and how that just is, seems like a whole different level, like going to the NBA, the amount of detail, the amount of um, effort, the amount of uh, thinking that how smart you have to be, it, it just goes up exponentially. Um, coming out of all of that back to what, you know, we coined as normal life uh, yeah. that took a while. I mean, right. Um, I would, I would go through life still trying to be every aspect of my life that excellent. So I had to really learn to chill out a little bit, especially driving my car because it's like, Ooh, just stand still in this spot. <laughs> I don't need you to move. <laughs> why are people going so slow? Like, do you not know where you're going? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, just standing in like I it took me a long time to learn how to stand in a line again like <laughs> go to a doctor a doc waiting for a doctor's oh, appointment man. like I never had to wait for a doctor's appointment they would just take you in a doctor would come to us he'd come to right. our locker room he would prescribe us our medicine he'd look at you take your temperature all that stuff they'd walk over to the cabinet unlock it pull open and go you know oh you have the really? yeah, here's your here's your medicine for your cough and cold and you know you have bronchitis here's your antibiotics and you know then i'll, I'll see you on tuesday with the game <laughs> you you never stop you just kept going and so learning how to slow down and um you know become less intense yeah. uh, in all aspects of life you know your whole life when you were playing was wrapped around 
jump ball, 7 p.m. I am A number one. There are no distractions. Nothing else gets in the way. This is the only thing that matters in life is winning this game. Yeah. And life is normal life is not that. Um, but you can take a lot of the good things that allow you to be that and know now you just got to find when is your next game time. So, you know, um, but but the level of excellence that you, we, you learn to live your life at, um, you don't accept excuses as, as okay for failures. Failures are opportunities to learn. So yep. you know, I've lost so many games in my life that I don't see failure or, or losses in the same way that normal people do. I look at them as opportunities to, you know, let's go to the game field, man. I mean, I'm going to yep. go spend an hour in my head replaying everything about those moments uh, that I feel like I failed at, whether it was in a business opportunity or a relationship. And, and I'm just going to replay it and then go back, apologize. I'm going to work harder, go back to the, you know, I'm going to go back into the gym and, and work out, you know, I'm going to get better. I'm going to reach, I'm going to, but in the business world, it's not just about going and doing the physical. It's right. about preparing your mind. Uh, I'm going to go read more about that subject. I'm going to learn more about that. I'm going to apply myself. I'm going to get into there and dig in and see where the need is. Um, in sports, everybody, you have to sacrifice things that you do really, really well, but don't necessarily fit into a team setting. And so, nope. you know, lot that taking that into any kind of a business setting where, you know, hey man, I might be a good speaker, but I shouldn't be the guy up in front of the crowd. Maybe my job is to clean toilets and do that because I'm available and I can do that well. And then, you know, work your way up from the bottom up. I mean, um, you go, you, 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 you retire from sport and you become a rookie again. <laughs> yeah. 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 You just learn how to, how to get back. In. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, every fall I'd start a new business or a new venture until I learned that, you know, it's, I, I don't need a new training camp. <laughs> I got to just chill. So, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good things about life about, you know, um, again, just about, you know, I'm not going to make excuses for places where I'm weak. I'm going to go figure out how to get better at it. And, and if it's something that I shouldn't do, if there's something buddy better to do that, then I'm going to learn to hand that off to them. And I'm going to focus on the areas where I do have strengths and I can be, I can help the team uh, be successful. Yeah. And delegation is a huge, huge uh, tool for leaders and, and, and people to understand, Hey, you know, I probably could do it, but I'm probably not the best at it. Uh, so let me pass that on and spend my effort more to this area or whatever it may be. And I'm okay with that because they're probably not as good as me at this thing, but it's like all the pieces come together. No yeah. one's going to be uh, good at everything, but you know, I don't want to hold you too much longer, but I would love to, uh, you know, update the people on where you're at now, what you're doing, what's uh, you know, as, as I said, the bir bir our birthdays are coming up, which is pretty yes. cool. <laughs> Yep. Have you been able to watch a watch a little bit of Gator basketball and uh, the, the current uh, this current season under under the Coach White era? Mm -hmm. um, it's a tough league right now. The SEC, as you know, has changed a lot. It's changed, it's Some good teams in this league, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, a lot there, lot there to answer, but um, yeah, it's all cool. right. It's all right. When I was uh, finishing up my NBA career, I got involved with a. Um, uh, organization called Champions for Christ. I've always grown up in the in the church and with my faith in, in God and in Christ. And, um, you know, I got involved with this one and I found a new level of uh, dedication um, uh, through 
learning how to apply a lot of those same aspects of, of sport into my spiritual life as well as, you know, business life and some other areas. And so, um, had a, felt like there was a calling to reach out to my teammates and, um, the community. And so I partnered with another ex NBA basketball player named Keith Tower. And, um, we planted a church in Orlando. And 16 years ago. In fact, oh. um, coming up the end of this month, it would be our six, our sweet 16 we're a party we're having. And so 16 years of having a church, uh, being a part of it, um, about uh, seven or eight years ago, I actually joined the staff. And uh, so now I run facilities and uh, the finances for the church and I just make sure the lights stay on and yeah, uh, yeah. buildings clean. It's uh, do all the things that pastors really shouldn't be bothered with. And probably, right, yeah. you know, they, they, their minds and focus is elsewhere on people's spiritual lives and helping people in different areas. And so I kind of help out with some of the more practical things around uh, the church and um, be able to allow them. And so we've been growing this now. We've got a 300 person church in Ocoee, Florida, which is on the West side of Orlando. Um, and uh, you know, we've weathered through COVID pretty well. And um, you know, so we're just out here trying to make a difference in our community, um, in our in our our greater Orlando area, and 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 throughout the world. Even um, we have missions, and uh, we do missions trips in Cuba, how, partnering with house churches down there, uh, helping uh, you know with them get out and evangelize their areas whenever we can travel down there. But we also have uh, new church plants in Birmingham, Alabama, and and we're got a a church plant, a budding church plant in St. Thomas, the Virgin Islands, which is always a fun mission trip to go on. <laughs> and so that's what takes up my time throughout the day. I also have, you know, three teenage kids, two girls and a boy, and um, my wife's a realtor in and around town. And so uh, family life keeps us really, really busy. Um, I don't get to watch the Gators as much as I probably would love to. I'd love to get up to see more games. I still love sports. I love watching the Gators play. Um, they started the year really great. Love what Mike White's been doing uh, with this year. Uh, I saw them early in the season with one of their yeah. first couple practices and kind of came away thinking this might be a transitional year for them. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see how Mike's been able to mold them into a team. You see them playing as one, playing hard, uh, really giving the effort. I like the attitude of the team. I uh, got to watch uh, their game the other night uh up uh where were they South uh, Carolina no nah, yeah South Carolina and they were able to pull that one out but yeah. you know just how hard they play um how they get after it defensively um love seeing just you know um love the big guy down down low Colin Castleton man. oh yeah Colin is just awesome. playing hard playing well doing his thing um yeah, I mean god I think he had like six or seven or eight blocks he's going to be first team he might be <laughs> first team SEC just because the, the I don't think the Gators are going to finish top five in the league, but he'll he'll definitely be second team at minimum. But yeah, I mean, they, if South Carolina was just just not not that great, uh, and they they had twenty six more shots than Florida did because they yeah. they had twenty one offensive rebounds. So um, yeah. you know, South Carolina they're just not a good good you know they're going to have to pick it up. Definitely going to have to pick it up. Figure it out. Get some some need a guy that can just get out there and get buckets, man. Just <laughs> yeah. and be efficient with it. Just can get buckets, can pass it, take care of the ball. You know, I think it's just so much inconsistency uh, used to with the other guys on the court. 
But it's really cool seeing the freshman, Kowasi Reeves, coming off the bench and starting, and he's shooting the ball at a high clip with confidence. So, yeah. 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 And, again, they got some young guys I think will really kind of grow in maybe in the in following years, um, develop into that kind of a go-to guy, the one that you can just depend on for a bucket or to get open and to create a shot. And um, But, uh, you know, they're fun to watch, and, you know, we root them on. Yeah, they are. They are fun to root on. And I wish I wish I would have had, you know, a lot of Gators that are going to listen to this. They're going to obviously remember uh, seeing you play, but going to wish they had a chance to see you in person. But uh, Andrew, this has been awesome. I'm so thankful for uh, you taking the time on uh, this amazing this amazing day, this amazing holiday that uh, goes before us. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a day uh, of another godly man that was able to uh, envision and, put, and to put into practice what he believes Christ wants us to do, just to love all people, and regardless of what they look like, but just to spread kindness, love, service, service and to stand and fight for justice and what's right, and um, in those things, peace. And I mean, just just see that through the sacrifice of that man, um, uh, all you know, us being able to have this conversation, you being able to play on a basketball team with other guys that look just like like that, without those people standing for those things that. Uh, we know are are to be true and right uh, that it doesn't matter what you look like that you deserve a fair chance to be in any room in any opportunity uh, to do anything you know if, without people standing up for those unalienable rights uh, you know a lot of things playing the game of basketball the way the game looks now yeah. would not have been possible uh, believe it or not but you know, I just want to dedicate this time to you uh, one who helped you know set that foundation the very first uh final four of florida basketball history remembering the 1993-94 season but uh are there any other closing words before i let you go no nah, man i appreciate you having me on and i agree i love that uh, we got to talk on this day uh i think it's amazing um that uh, what you're what you're doing and what you're bringing about to, through this podcast and i've gotten a chance to listen to a couple of them and uh love what you're doing and uh, best of luck to you and up there in Charlotte, get home safe, back to the yeah. warm weather. Yeah. And you have a great day, man. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. That was the one and only Andrew DeClerc. Uh, one of the best, one of the greatest to do it. Um, you know, we got some more Gator basketball, some plenty more. Hopefully, have a few more of his teammates coming up on this show uh, sometime soon. So stay tuned for these episodes that drop around every Thursday. And you know the phrase, Gator Nation, stay rowdy. <laughs>